Hi, and welcome to Breakfast with an Alcoholic. I'm Randall, your alcoholic host, and I'm really glad you're here. So today, we're going to do something a little different. As you may have gathered, I spent a fair amount of time trying to get sober, and that did include some stints in rehab. I've written some stories about my time there, and I wanted to share one of those with you today. It's called Equine Therapy, or Can Horses Save a Middle-Aged Alcoholics? I hope you enjoy it. We'll be back to live interviews with other alcoholics next week, but I hope you enjoy this today. Yesterday, right after breakfast, we went to a lecture by Reverend Jack. He's the spiritual director here at the treatment center, and he looks just like Barry Manilow, I think. His lecture was about negativity and expectations and outcomes. And blonde locks flowing, he started right in on the grumbling and complaining that people do at the treatment center and how counterproductive it all is. Wait, why am I only allowed to smoke in the gazebos? Why isn't the food better? Why, why, why? And then he yelled at all of us. Here's the thing. It's time for all of you to wake the F up. He really screamed that last part, and you could see more than one person startle awake. He went on. Folks, I had bladder cancer, and the hospital where I got treated had a banner in the waiting area that said, where miracles happen every day. And I thought that was important, and I tried to embrace that thought, particularly when they were pushing medicine up my dick. And you know what? I did not enjoy having things jammed up my urethra, but I had bladder cancer, and they told me that's how I could get better. So when they told me they had to push some huge tube up my dick, I smiled and tried to think of it as a miracle happening. At this point, Mike, who was sitting just two seats down from me, snorted, and it was pretty loud. We were only a few rows up in the auditorium, and Reverend Jack definitely heard it. He scowled at Mike for a moment and shook his head before he went on with the rest of the lecture about miracles and penis cancer and the importance of only smoking in the designated gazebos. Mike is one of the new guys, says he was a lawyer at one time, and is now a professional musician, although it's not really all that clear. He's around my age and has a ponytail, and that often rings alarm bells for me. He hates Reverend Jack, and that goes back to a run-in at Music Group on one of Mike's first days. Mike had signed up for Music Group, which Reverend Jack ran, and he was very much looking forward to playing the piano. Surprisingly, but like so many other things here in rehab, it turns out that Music Group is very tightly and kind of absurdly controlled. Mike thought that playing the cheap electronic keyboard was somehow beneath him and his music, and he requested to play the grand piano in the chapel. Reverend Jack refused this request, and now Mike hates him. I don't think this bothers Reverend Jack very much. Anyway, Mike is relentlessly negative, judgmental, and views almost all of what happens here as aversion therapy. He thinks it's so horrible being here in rehab that he would never drink again simply to avoid ever having to come back. (laughs) I think that applies to alumni events. (laughs) Anyway, Mike was at his best worst today when we set off for equine therapy. To be fair, when we were told today was equine therapy, I was a bit skeptical. But it was an off-site field trip with the prospect of a stop at the Sheets, so I was all in. We piled into the robin's egg blue van that we affectionately called the druggy buggy, and we headed out. It turns out that the Warnersville State Mental Hospital is only a few minutes away from our treatment center, 
and we drove very slowly through the campus, which seemed like a bit of a gratuitous, passive-aggressive threat by Dennis, our counselor and driver. Dennis is in his late 30s, early 40s, has sandy brown thinning hair, and he wears glasses with thin gold frames. He looks more like an accountant than a recovering heroin and meth addict. He's very soft-spoken, and when we get on his nerves, which is pretty frequent, he's almost apologetic about it. For example, like when Beef, not his real name, tried to buy 20 cartons of cigarettes on a Saturday evening trip to the Sheets. Dennis objected. Beef reasoned we were allowed to smoke in designated areas, so why couldn't he get 20 cartons of Marlboro Lights? Dennis asked, why do you need so many cigarettes? Clearly hinting that he suspected that Beef might be looking to become a cigarette kingpin when we returned to campus. Beef was demonstrably offended by the implication. I smoke a lot of cigarettes, and I could be here an effing long time, he sniffed. Dennis wasn't having it. You can buy one carton now. If you run low on smokes before we come back to the sheets, we'll help you out. There was a little bit of spluttering, but that was the end of Beef's 20-carton cigarette empire. Dennis pulled the van into the farm's driveway, and we were ushered into a big barn, 20 yards wide by 40 yards long, and there were three horses inside, unbridled, and a huge pile of toys on one side of the barn. We signed waivers, and the man who runs it gave his background and told us about therapy assisted by horses. We were told to feel free to approach the horses, or not, whatever we were comfortable with, and to try to get to know them better. There was a white and brown horse who stood nearly motionless and oddly attracted a lot of attention. A charcoal-colored horse who was more interested in walking around the ring, and a chestnut-colored horse that I liked, but that started to back away whenever Reverend Danny, the gun-toting anger-challenge minister who won every instance of our nightly story contest, That's Effed Up, came close. We were told to work as a group and use the toys and other objects to create something that represented the obstacles to getting sober and staying sober. And that we then needed to find a way to involve one of the horses in helping us to overcome those obstacles. We as a group talked, and the idea we came up with was to pile all the toys in the middle, and that would represent the mess and chaos our drinking had caused. And then we were going to get one of the horses to, like, knock it over, which would metaphorically finally clear the way for us to stay sober. So horses get spooked pretty easily, and one thing we learned very quickly is that no rational horse was going to approach this huge, ridiculous mess we had created in the center of the ring. And being chased by eight middle-aged alcoholics apparently did not alter the odds of securing the therapy horse's help with our demonstration. We tried for about 10 minutes, and then we were invited to change our approach. Three of us extracted a big rubber ball from the mess in the middle, and our plan was to roll it close to the horse, maybe bounce it off his leg even, try to get him to touch it without spooking him or running away. Other people were trying their own alternative plans, like laying PVC pipes in a line to the original pile that were intended to somehow connect the horse standing 20 feet away to the mess. No, I don't know why we were given PVC pipes as part of this. My group was asked to explain our plan. I pointed out that like true alcoholics, we had managed to come up with a completely insane plan that had almost no chance of succeeding, uncannily replicating our own hapless efforts to get sober. 
we made the problem too complicated, expected to solve too much, and we somehow believed that we were going to talk an innocent bystander horse into coming over and helping to knock down the, the obstacles that were keeping us from sobriety. Our explanation for our revised plan was that we took one thing out of the mess, the big rubber ball. Hopefully that was the most important part. And we were willing to show it to someone else, or to the horse in this case, and to see if they would be willing to tolerate having it near. Not fix it, or move it, or change it. Just have it near. I thought that wasn't such a bad explanation. I'm not sure any of us actually thought that when we were devising the display, but whatever. It's horse-assisted therapy. The next project we were assigned was for each of us to take some of the toys and lay them out in a way that illustrated something about our drinking or using. I took two foam tubes, like the ones kids play with in the pool, a bunch of cute stuffed animals, including a stuffed toy dog and a parrot doll that looked like the parrot from Aladdin. I put all of the stuffed animals, except the dog and the parrot, on one side of the tubes, and then the dog and the parrot went on the other. When it was my turn to explain my furry rehab sculpture, I said the pile of stuffed animals represented the people who loved me. The tubes represented my drinking. I was portrayed by the stuffed dog, and the parrot <clears throat> was the angry, negative, mocking voice in my head. The alcoholic drinking tubes kept me away from the people who loved me, and the mean parrot voice kept me away from them too. Some of the displays were very complicated, and some were very funny. When it was Mike's turn, he held up a tiny stuffed Elmo doll, about six inches big. He was asked to explain his selection, and it was very, very complicated. Somehow, the tiny Elmo doll represented Mike, his drinking, his children, his lawyer career, his music career, his divorce, and some other stuff that I couldn't really hear. He was holding the Elmo doll in front of one of the horses, and then the therapy horse lunged and tried to bite the head off Mike's Elmo doll. No lie. <laughs> there have been a lot of funny moments in rehab, but not sure when I've laughed quite that hard. Mike did not find it funny. A couple of us were then asked to pick up our toy displays, carry them in our arms, and try to lead the horses around the ring three times. Of course, this was impossible. I think in my case, the floaty tubes spooked the horses. They did gallop around for about a lap, but that was about it. I think this was supposed to drive home the point that as long as we carried our own bundles, we wouldn't be able to accomplish anything or stay sober. I'm not sure if that's what I took away from it. It also could have proved that you can't simultaneously carry an armful of pool toys and lead a horse around a ring. The horse counselor turned to me. Everyone else has set down their bundle. Why haven't you? I had alcoholic drinking tubes in my lap and was clutching all of the stuffed animals in my arms. I said it was because he hadn't told me to set them down. But then I said that I was still holding on to everything because I was afraid to forget what drinking had done to me. He asked why I was still holding on to the parrot. And I said it was because the parrot's horribly mean voice was unfortunately a part of me. And I didn't think I could just turn it off. I thought the most I could do was to stop listening to it so much, and that maybe if I could find a way to not hate that voice and what it represented quite as much, well, maybe it wouldn't be as loud or talk as often. And that was the end of our horse-assisted therapy. 
I'm a little unclear about what we learned that day, but they did have mini Butterfinger bars in the fridge, so I thought it was a gigantically successful morning. On the way home, we all bought extra cigarettes for beef at the Sheets. That's another episode of Breakfast with an Alcoholic. And that story, Equine Therapy, is also posted on the Thanks for Letting Me Share website. I hope you enjoyed it. In fact, I hope you enjoyed it so much that you subscribe. And to make that easy, I put a button down there. You just push it and it happens. Go ahead, I'll wait. Cool. When you subscribe, you get the daily gratitude list, future episodes of Breakfast with an Alcoholic, the liner notes, the official discography for Breakfast with an Alcoholic, and so much more. The really great news? You can subscribe today for free. I mean, you're probably also going to be able to subscribe for free tomorrow, but wouldn't today be better? Also, I know it's Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's totally cool if you want to tell your friends about us. It's thanks, F-L-M-S, thanks for letting me share, on Instagram and Twitter. So, subscribe, like, share, follow, and I'll be very grateful. On a serious note, if you need help or want to learn more, nyintergroup.org has a complete listing of AA resources in New York. And there's an intergroup site for every state and a lot of countries. And if you want to ask us, we can try to point you in the right direction too. So, that's it. We'll be back to live interviews with other alcoholics this week, and there'll be another gratitude list in the morning. Until then, be well, stay groovy, go to a meeting, and call your sponsor. Thanks for letting me share.